another amazing musician from the Show Me State, Kip Louie, DaleWileyShow.com. Let go. Oh, there's Fred. So I know it's Freddy. So hey. now we get to talk. And I'm talking to Kip Louie, a longtime St. Louis musician. Hope I'm not giving anything away about that, but you've been doing this for a long time. And so uh, let's talk about how did you first get interested in music? How did I first? Okay. So yes. um, I'm the youngest of six kids. Okay. And there we were growing up in the 70s and all of my every last one of my brothers and sisters played acoustic guitar and they would strum alum the the uh, acoustic hits of the day like simon simon and garfunkel and uh you know james taylor and uh neil young and whatever it would be right so that stuff was just in the air in, in the house um so i never i never had any formal training i just learned how to play guitar by like I remember my sister had like the Simon and Garfunkel songbook, right? So really? I would take, yeah, yeah. So I would steal her acoustic guitar and mm -hmm. I would look at the fingering on the, you know, of, of the song, like the boxer or Mrs. Robinson or whatever it was. And I would make my fingers go to that position on the, on the neck of the guitar. Right. And, and since I already kind of knew the melody of, of the song, I, it, I could kind of like, strum the you know and really? sing the melody and that i saw so i'm entirely self-taught like that you know yeah. and um you know like even though i was i was born in the decade um and didn't experience it because i was just like a little itty bitty kid yeah. like like 60s and 70s uh music had a sort of profound uh, effect on me and I, I spent much of the 80s desperately wishing it was the the system <laughs> trying to regain that that time definitely yeah you know so um i was really into like all the 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 classic bands of the area you know the beatles being the first and foremost but like right. the beatles the band the birds the the stones the uh, you know uh neil young um i i do find it kind of interesting like i i hated country music growing up like really because <laughs> yes. i'm from Web i'm from webster groves missouri <laughs> which is like a suburb of st louis so there, there weren't a, a whole lot of country here you know right. um there, there wasn't a whole lot of country music but I, but i tell you what i was exposed to was um uh folk music okay. via via our local folk music club um called uh the focal point okay. which which still exists to this day and like i would hear like just a team musicians come through town like Martin Carthy or Steel Ice Fan or oh, wow. like like amazing Celtic musicians would come through town and then like Appalachian folks and and so like I was sort of exposed to all this really cool um, um traditional folk and and singer songwriter stuff for, you know from that and um that was probably my doorway into like appreciating and then even kind of dabbling in um, traditional country music. Well, let's ask, when did you first start liking it then? Uh, country? Um, yes. I was I was well into my 20s, man. Right. Yeah, because up to that point, it was, I was strictly a rock kid. I, right. I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> a white boy from the suburbs. So I yes. was just listening to rock, you know. Um, but then like one day, so I was a record store clerk for most of my, right. my 20s. Um, and if I'm babbling too much, just stop me at no, any time. No, no, no. Okay. Babble uh, away. Babble yeah. on. Okay, great. 
Um, but but I was a, a record store. That's what I did for a living. I was a record store clerk for my twenties, and I worked at um, let me get it right. I, I worked at Euclid Records. I worked right. at Vintage Vinyl here right. in, in St. Louis. Both are illustrious and still existing record yes, stores in our in our fair town. Around in twenty twenty, which is right in itself. A, a wonderful thing, a wonderful and rare thing. Yeah, they're still going strong. Vintage vinyl, Euclid Records. But, yes. but my first gig was at um, uh, Streetside Records. Right. In in Which Old Orchard. In, no longer with us. Streetside. There was one in Columbia, too, wasn't there? Yes, there was. There sure Yeah, was. got it. Okay. So um, that is a chain that no longer exists. But um, And then I worked for Tower Records briefly in Seattle. Really? I, I, I went to... <laughs> I went to college for a couple of years in Seattle in the wow. mid eighties. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I met uh, and befriended the, the young fresh fellows. Um, really? That's, that's another story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cut a record with, with those guys. That was like really? the first record. Yeah. They, they, they backed me. I don't know how I got them to do it, but they backed me <laughs> in the studio. as like a 22 year old college student. I, I, uh, wow. and uh, I just recently released that record on my, Bandcamp page. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's straight up pop that rock. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, straight straight up uh, power pop. Really? Record. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so back to country music. So, um, but there I was in in my early to mid twenties, and um, uh, um, occasionally people would bring in like Hank Williams records and, right. and Johnny Cash records, right? And we're still talking records, vinyl records. And um, just for the, the hell of it, one day like. Remember throwing on like Hank Williams, um, forty greatest hits, you know, and um, and it was it was almost on a whim and almost kind of a joke because we didn't we didn't play a lot of country music at at right. Finish Vinyl. It that that's a very urban, yes, right, very urban situation. A lot of a lot of hip hop, a lot of rap, a lot of uh, soul and R and B, right, which is great stuff. Don't yes. get me wrong, um, it's all good, right? Um, but so there, and then you know Hank Williams starts lofting through the the PA system of, of vintage vinyl and I became enthralled. I, I was just like his voice just boom. Like I I killer. It's still killer to this day. Yeah, right. You know, so, timeless, so. timeless stuff. And like I really connected with the the songwriting and uh -huh. with um uh the lyrics and just like the really simple but beautiful arrangements right. and the musicianship. Like the whole package it just moved uh -huh. me. It, it it was like white people soul music, you know. And <laughs> yeah, I, so it was just that much of an epiphany and that much of one thing, and it totally changed your mind. It really did. It really did. I, you know, and probably my my exposure to like traditional folk that was that that helped me get there, right? right. But then once I, I finally heard like old school traditional country music, I was right. like, this is this is the bomb. I like this. <laughs> I like this stuff. You know? What were the next things that really got your attention? Yeah. Uh, the next things? Okay, yeah. so then I was trying to figure out, well, how do I incorporate this into like my more rock kind right. of outlook and background and, yes. and um, wheelhouse, right? So right. Um, it was it was like the the birds, you know, Sweetheart of the Rodeo. Oh, absolutely. And the Flying Burrito Brothers and um, Early Poco. You know, and all that great kind of seventies, early seventies country rock stuff, right. and the band. I mean, right? The, Obviously, yes. Yeah, duh, right? And <laughs> um, and uh, like the Buffalo Springfield. You know, they always had a, a really cool kind of country influence oh, to yeah. a lot of their material. Stephen Stills, 
Richard Furay. You know, I just um, so that was that was kind of like okay, now I have a way to to approach this. Like right. now now I have a sonic kind of con- conception yes. of how to incorporate country music into my rock thing. You right. know. And then I'm like, well, okay, so what's going on in country music like now? And this was this would have been the 80s, right? The late right. 80s. And then so I, I'm starting to listen to like Dwight Doakam, right. you know? I'm listening to Steve Earle. Yes. I'm listening to um, Foster and Lloyd. Right. I'm listening to the Wagoneers. Do you remember them? Yes. Yeah, right? Um, and, and, and I'm listening to all that like really kind of awesome. Oh, Katie right. Lang. Katie Lang, man. Katie she, Lang was she, so good. So, so good. good. Such oh, yeah. an amazing vocalist. Still is. Yes. Um, and those those early country records of hers, I revered. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, then, and then, hey, here's a tie-in for you, Carlene Carter. Oh, yes. Yeah, man. Nice guest on this podcast. That's what right. What you have to say, I am so excited about. I mean, my I'm gosh. excited about it. I'm excited <laughs> So, um yeah, man. So, and that was like commercial country music. You know, you yes. could you, you could tune into commercial country and hear Dwight Oakham, and right. that's that. Most of that is gone now, sadly. Yes. Like, let's let's not even talk about contemporary <laughs> country. I mean, there's there's still guys, there's and still stuff, but it's there's, not there's, like it was at that time. Definitely. Right. There, there's unquestionably still wonderful practitioners of of kind of straight ahead country music. Right. You got your, your Chris Stapletons. You got your Marty your uh, Mar- oh oh Marty. It goes without saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, you got all those all those great guys. Um, right. And and uh, uh, you know, and and gals. Let's not forget them. Um, but but yeah. So anyway, that's kind of how I arrived to um, to country music. So there it is. It's by now. It's um, the nineties. You know, right. and think um, most of the time. Okay, so I I went to school in Seattle for two right. years, and this is just before grunge and Kurt Cobain right. and all that. Right? <laughs> yes. Okay, and then I moved back home, um, mm-hmm. and then three or four years later, I'm like, I'm moving back to Seattle, and I'm gonna pursue <laughs> music, and I'm oh, gonna no. da, da, da. and I decided I was gonna start my my country band in Seattle at the height of grunge, wow. which was a really bad right. business model. Yeah, like that that was doomed to failure. Yes. So um, after trying that for about a year, I'm like, yeah, this is no good. So, right. and, and like, I, I couldn't find work. You know, I was like, there were like stacks of applications that thick for, for dishwashing jobs. And, right. you know, cause like by then everybody was moving to Seattle and yes. rents were getting ridiculous. And now they're even twice as bad, you know? Right. So, um, I moved back home, man. I didn't know what else to do. I just moved back home because at least I had family and friends there and a support and system. There was like, a burgeoning country scene in in St. Louis. So tell me about that. Aha! Right. So at that time, <laughs> now we got to back up a little bit. Now we're back in the in the late eighties. So um, we're, um, you know, I started to, to befriend these these young dudes um, who I started seeing around town. Uh, their name. Their names were Jay Farrar and, and uh, Jeff Tweedy. Yes, I've heard and, of them. Uh, and Mike Heidhorn. And they were in this they were in this band. You might have heard of them. They were called Uncle Tupelo. And uh, I was a front row fan, you know. And then I started, oh, yeah. like, kind of talking to them after their gigs. And, and you know, I knew a little tiny bit about the music business at that point. And um, I'm like, guys, you know, have you have you sent out, like, demo tapes to any labels? And they're like, <laughs> and, and, and Jay Farrar is like, well, uh, uh, no, no, not, not really. You know, man, a few words, right? You know, so, and I'm like, 
Never had many words. Never. Yeah, did. right. Never. A man of few words. He is. He is very articulate. <laughs> with a few words. Anyway, so um, and I'm like, well, shit, man. Let me let me mail out some stuff on your behalf. Like, I'm happy to do that. Let me, because I loved what they were doing. They were combining, especially in those early days. They were combining like punk rock with right. with um with with country music. Sort country. of. Yeah, it so was their it was their take on country really rock, was. right? Yeah, it was great stuff. So um. I was I was a big fan and a big uh, uh, proponent, you know, big big uh, supporter in in the early days, and I think I'm mentioned in in like a best of compilation of of Uncle Tupelo as like an early that's awesome like not manager I would never say manager but but I was like a dude who was like pushing them to like little yes. labels that I happen to know the A and R guy there yeah exactly. and I think I still have a rejection letter from SST Records you know saying. Um, yeah, this is kind of cool. Send us something in six months after they developed a little bit. You know? and, and by then they were like, you know, right. they were already big. Um, so, but um, yeah, no, I, I loved their aesthetic and where they were coming from. So then I'm like, well, I kind of want to do something like that. But but I knew I was not um, a real, uh, uh, like I, I wanted to somehow blend that with my more pop sensibilities. Because right. like, like Marshall Crenshaw is, is was oh, yeah. kind of my my hero at that time. It still is, you know. He's still one of my my music. And you know, you remember that in the middle of the we should mention the center of nowhere, which is a wonderful movie about this stuff. And I need to point out that Marshall Crenshaw Crenshaw was always called Marvin Bradshaw by Lou Whitney, and so that is <laughs> just so funny. I don't understand it, but that is his relation and to this whole thing. And I got to mention that thing because. The Center of one, Nowhere is not only a wonderful film, but now it has a, a wonderful additional uh, thing on it about, and all the extras on the DVD is all wonderful. But go yeah, ahead man. And talk about the stuff and Marshall Crenshaw. Oh, uh, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. yeah, no, Lou Whitney and, and the Skeletons. Oh, we, we, <laughs> yes. we, we, no uh, doubt. No doubt. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know? Yeah, man, I, I saw them live many, many times at Off-Broadway oh. in, in St. Louis, you know. Right. And uh, they were like, they should have been 10 times bigger than they were. But any any roots rock musician worth their salt right. reveres the Skeletons and Lou Whitney, yes. those guys, you know. All, all, all God, you know. Um, anyway, so, um, but I have a funny Marshall Crenshaw story too. So anyway, Marshall was like my hero in, in high, my musical hero in high school. Okay. He was he was sort of updating all the that sixties and fifties oh, yeah. pop that I loved, right? right? Yeah. And so he was he was my guy along with like um, Nick Lowe and, right. and uh, Rock Pile and, and right. you know that and, and Los Lobos. You're speaking my language. Don't yeah, you? man. Right. All <laughs> that Lone Justice, all those all those amazing bands, right. the Blasters and oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. X, you know. Um, I actually heard recently that Marshall Crenshaw wants to do a documentary on Tom Wilson, the famous producer of Bob Dylan. I thought that was so cool. Oh, that's way cool, man. I just think it's so cool to think about He's that. A, he is a rock music uh, historian himself, yes. in addition yeah. to being an amazing songwriter, you know. So yeah. I, I could see Marshall doing that. Who's been on the podcast? Who's the person that told me that? And I think that's so cool to think about having that thing to look forward to as well. Yeah, I, uh, he, he has been um, a source of uh, delight for me for, for right. decades. Anyway, um, so my, my brief Marshall Crenshaw story is, uh, right. so I, I have, along the way, I, uh, I became friends with uh, the dudes in the Bottle Rockets. Right. Um, 
Brian <laughs> and, 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 and uh, yeah, and Mark Ortman and, and John Horton, uh, especially. Um, like so ba way back now now where are we we're this is 17 years ago so 17 <laughs> years ago the word on the street is brian henneman wants to put together a country cover band right for for shits and grins and to make a few bucks when he's not out touring with the bottle rockets right and i at that point was already playing in a, in a, in a tremendous country cover band called the rockhouse oh. ramblers oh yes that also put out three albums of uh, Right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The Rockhouse Ramblers, we were that I, I look back fondly on that band, you know, yeah. and we were doing like straight up country stuff. So yeah. I already knew 50 to 100 like classic country songs. Right. I'm like, wow, I wonder if I approach Brian Henneman, like maybe I can offer my services, you know, because right. I can strum a guitar, an acoustic guitar and sing <laughs> harmonies pretty, yes. pretty well, you know. You'd have to play his backup. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Play second fiddle. And I, and I would be happy to do that. Right. So, um, right. And I contacted Brian, and amazingly, he's like, "Yeah, dude, you know, come on over. Why don't you? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it." And I'm like, "Woo!" You know, you know so, Brian, he's just so nice, and he's that guy, and he knows everything about music that you ever want to know. Can I please talk about Brian Hanneman for about please a minute? Please do. Okay. So, and this is all sincere and heartfelt. Right. Brian Hanneman is one of the smartest human beings I know. He sure is. But he is also incredibly talented and right. tremendously humble about it all and like he also loves carlene carter as much as we do and he loves carlene carter as much as we do. <laughs> yeah right brian Hanneman is is a working man's hero he, right. he, he, is, he is his songs are grounded in everyday reality you know he grew up he is he's the real deal he grew up in small town missouri yes. um he's not having to project or pretend he is that guy you right. know um yeah. He grew up listening to country music and yes. uh, ACDC and, um, right. and, and especially um, Leonard Skinner, you know, like, <laughs> and it's all in there. It's all in his songwriting. It sure you know? is. And it's, it's real and it's genuine. And, and so is he, and he's funny as shit. He is, he is a funny, funny dude. He sure um, is. But he's like um, tremendously um, humble about his own abilities. And I've always right. loved that about him. Uh, and he's just an ace songwriter. Anyway, so um, there's my little love letter to Brian. Back with Kip in a minute. DaleWileyShow.com Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Folks, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Lou Whitney, Symptoms Morel, Kansas City, Jess City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID-19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. More with Kip, DaleWileyShow.com. Um, and I've, I've now played in his side project for 17 years, and wow. it, it's been nothing but fun. Uh, um, but anyway, so backing up, so that name of that band is Diesel Island. We are right. still a thing. We are still a band. Yes. We're not playing out now, 
because of COVID. Nobody is. Yeah, nobody is. Right, right. So as soon as um, COVID lets up, I imagine we will we will resume activity. But right. we've been together now 17 years. We have a, we have released exactly one record in that in that amount of time. Um, it is it is all original music, even though we're a country cover band. And, and um, it consists of songs that I wrote along with Carl Pandolfi and uh, Richard Trallis, who are two right. Diesel Island bullpen members. Right. And uh, Brian, he he he's like, no man, I can't I can't give Diesel Island any songs. Those have to go to the bottle rocket. <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, I was gonna... <laughs> you know, All but he, he plays he plays guitar in the whole record. Yeah, he he, he lends his his uh, considerable guitar playing right. talents to the Diesel Island record, which you can get from. Our Bandcamp yes. site, from my Bandcamp site. It's promote that because there's a lot of good stuff on there. And we also want to mention, because we had so much stuff to talk about, what we need to talk about, your wife, JJ. Oh, please. Yeah, thank yes. you. So I have um, never not released music or been in bands since right. I was in my early, uh, early early 20s, right? I've been doing this for a while now, as you say. And um, <laughs> But last year... Um, no, no, this year, what am I saying? It was, uh, it was March of this year, of this right. dreadful year. Um, again, I'm, my business uh, instincts are always great. They're always, you know, <laughs> I, I put out like what I consider my best album at the beginning okay. of a global pandemic, you know. Um, <laughs> and, but so um, my wife is also a singer, songwriter. She, right. She's multi-talented and does many things, but... Uh, yeah. She also writes songs, and she had five or six great ones um, lying around. And I'm like, it is time. It was overdue for us to record your songs, right. you know. So we we put out a husband and a wife record. It's called yes. Kip and JJ Louie Show Me State. Right, which Show is Me so State. fun for what we're doing. Right, right. So, and and the whole concept of Show Me State is it's twelve original story songs and character sketches right. about people living across Missouri, the, wow. the Show Me State, you know. So it's people from different vantage points, different right. kind of socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, the songs go from rock to country to almost kind of jazzy to right. sort of bluesy to, um, uh, you know. And Jay wrote three of them and sings lead vocals on on five. Um, and so if you, you can find it on our Bandcamp page, right. it's just uh, Kip Louie at Bandcamp.com, and you'll find my, my whole vast catalog there, right. including Kip and J.J. Louie Show Me State. <laughs> yes. Which I'm very proud of. And, oh, here's a big feature of it. Uh, the band, the backing band for that record was three quarters of the Bottle Rockets, including really? including Mr. Henneman. Yes. Okay. He, uh, so it's, it's Brian Henneman on guitar, John Horton on bass, right. interestingly. Oh, wow. He's also an incredible bassist. I love like, John. He's such a great guy. He is a beautiful human being inside and out. Um, I used to be related to him, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> that sounds like another podcast. I, I, I was married to his sister. Yeah. <laughs> and I no longer am, but it's okay. You know, <laughs> he still um, loves you. That's he, we, are, we are still bosom buddies. Yeah, we're good. Um, anyway, so uh, John played bass on this record. And the thing about John Horton is he's as good a bassist as he is a guitarist, which is right. saying so. He plays bass like a bassist, like it's his primary instrument. Yeah. And people who who are players will understand what I mean by that. Right. Like, he's he's a badass on bass. Anyway, so John plays bass, and the only reason I didn't tap Keith, good old good 
good old Keith, who right. I also love, love is he lives out of town. He doesn't live in St. Right. Louis. Definitely. He's the only bottle rocket who does not live in St. Louis. So right. I had to use musicians who were who were available because we were recording this on the fly and on the cheap. And you know, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's Henneman uh, on guitar, John Horton on bass, Mark Orban, amazing bottle rockets drummer on drums. Mm -hmm. Um, my my dear friend uh, Carl Pandolfi on piano, who was one of St. Louis's most stellar pianists, uh -huh. and um, and JJ uh, uh, sings and and plays harmonica uh, right. on a couple of songs and, and uh -huh. acoustic guitar just like me, and the, the whole the whole deal was recorded and engineered by David Toretta, who a lot of people may not know that name, but he was Chuck Berry's longtime producer. Really? Wow. Yeah. He he. He produced Chuck's very last posthumous record that came right. out right before, uh, uh, right or right after he died. Right, and and he was Chuck's recording engineer for at least the last twenty years. Wow, that's, um, that's... so he didn't go back to the Chess Records or anything like that. But but for the last <laughs> twenty years, Dave was was Chuck Berry's recording right. engineer. He got that good guitar sound that we all loved every time yeah. was at the at Blueberry Hill. It was so good. You bet, you bet. And in, in the last couple years of Chuck's life, I think Dave played bass in his band because Dave is himself a, 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 an amazing bass, a Berkeley trained musician. So, um, so we recorded it with David Toretta in his in his studio here in St. Louis, and the sounds that we got out of his studio um, are so good and so affordable. So there's another plug for like yes, people looking for a, a good uh, affordable studio in, in right. St. Louis with with somebody with good ears. Because yeah. that's that's nine tenths of the battle right there. Right. Definitely, um, Dale. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm domineering this. No, no, no. Hardly no, no. a conversation. This is me babbling. This that's is what I do. I babble to listen to the stuff that you're telling me because we're talking about all the same music and we've got different stories, but it's all the same thing. I mean, it all lends into the pe the people and the places we want to honor with this project we're doing. Amen. Amen. Okay, so yes. what can I tell you about? You mentioned the Rock House Ramblers. Uh, well, sure. Go ahead. Go. No, no. You you got a thought. Go ahead. Um, so the Rock House Ramblers were together for about five years. We managed to release three albums. That band featured um, uh, Dade Farrar, who's Jay's brother. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. who, who is himself uh, um, an excellent songwriter and, and tremendous vocalist. Right. Um, Date is more of a country singer, like yes. for real old school bluegrass. Country. I remember Brian tell tell the stories about Dade in yeah. the old days as well. Yes. Yeah, and he plays upright bass, and uh, so for like bluegrass and traditional country and uh, rockabilly, he's the dude. Like right. he's who you want in your band, um, and just a great songwriter. Like even if his last name wasn't. I don't care who he's related to. Like he, he's just great in and of himself, right? right? Um, and I, you know, at first I was kind of like, "Oh, he's Jay's brother," you know. But and you quickly forget about <laughs> yeah. that, and he's he's we all guy. about those guys. Yeah, yeah, sure, you know. But but Dade is his own guy, and um, also um, uh, Gary Hunt, who is um, sort of an elder statesman of our roots music scene in here in okay. St. Louis, um, and he is uh, he was in the band Sunvolt as a touring musician for wow. many years uh, and he does duo gigs to this day, I believe with, with Jay. Really? Um, yeah. So, so he was, uh, he, uh, Gary Hunt was instrumental in the, in the rock house ramblers and then John Horton, you know, who at that point was my brother-in-law. So he was, uh, <laughs> in fact, he and I started the rock house ramblers. Right. Um, 
And then uh, last but not least, uh, Danny Kathreiner, who uh, is a is a he was primarily known as a drummer in St. Louis until he started his own bands to play his own songs. Okay. So, and he is himself uh, uh, an excellent songwriter. Right. So St. Louis has just got a, a rich tradition of totally. musicians and songwriting, man. Definitely. Yeah, like it across many genres. So we are, we are blessed that way. Um, now we need to talk about getting you and JJ on here later to do your own five at five with music. We need to figure out how to do that because that needs to happen, definitely. And she's much more attractive than me. So that, that's, that would <laughs> well, be that's great. I like that as well. She's a lot prettier than me. So um, that would be great, man. We would be honored. That would yeah. be wonderful. And I'd love to have you. And so now I think that I just say, you know, we're doing this stuff from Missouri. We're doing this project to benefit Missouri musicians. And look at you, Lou. What are you doing? One last thing. Sure. Okay. I for almost because I was told I, I needed to mention this, and I but I was <laughs> I was tickled to do it. So um, my understanding is DJ Lance is is on your board of oh, directors, yes. right? Okay. I, I worked uh, I worked alongside of Lance at Vintage Vinyl in, right. in St. Louis. He he was also a record store clerk, and yes. we uh, our 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 time there uh, over overlapped. You know, right. so um, I worked with Lance probably for two years, and. Um, I haven't talked to him in years, but man, I can tell you that when he became famous and the dude he is known as, nobody was surprised. None of us were surprised. You know, mm -hmm. he he is that charismatic. Like the guy you see on TV is basically Lance. He exactly. is, he he is really a colorful is character. Guy. He's just that good and that genuine guy. He is. He's, he's really very genuine. Is. He's very animated. He he too is very funny. Um, <laughs> he's, he's larger than life and uh, yeah. just a lovely guy. Yeah. So, hey, hey, Lance, if you're out there, hi. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just love the people we got on this thing. And it's so fun to get to talk about this stuff and interview musicians like you. And so that's why I love having you on. And thank you for coming on on this podcast. So, Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Let me know if I can never do anything for you. Okay, well, let's get you and JJ on to do a full-on musical five at five. Yeah. So, I mean, we got crappy microphones and stuff, but maybe we can borrow we'll it. Them. We'll make it work. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. Okay, okay. cool. See you later. Thanks, Dale. Okay. Bye. Bye.